As we've now entered into the Lenten season, we're beginning a new message series, and our Lenten message series is Giving Up Worry for Lent. And the reason why we're especially focusing on giving up worry for Lent is because of what worry does to us. Whenever we start to become stressed out, whenever we become preoccupied and burdened by things, we fall more easily into sin. Just think of the last time you were really stressed out and someone came and talked to you about something. You probably were a little bit abrupt with them, right? Maybe even you yelled at them. I know that this can happen for me sometimes. If I'm stressed out and people come, I have to interiorly say, Lord, I give this stress to you because I don't want it to come out at them. <laughs> but that's what happens so often when we experience that stress and worries. If we don't give it over to God, we're unfortunately going to dish it out at someone else that's around us. That's why it's so important for us to give those worries over to God so that, again, we won't dish it out and transmit it to someone else, the unlucky person who just happens to be around us when we're stressed out at that particular moment. So, so much of the sin that we commit and a lot of the vices that we fall into are linked to the various ways that we can struggle with worry and become preoccupied with those things that burden us if we don't give those things over to God. Today, we're especially reflecting on the theme of temptation. The gospel we just heard proclaimed focuses on this theme of temptation. It's a special theme for the first Sunday of Lent, regardless of which of the cycles that we're in. This particular one, since it's the Gospel of Mark, is what we call, or at least I like to call, the short temptation version or the cliff note version. <laughs> Sometimes people will go, wow, that was a short gospel. You're right. It's one of the shortest ones that you'll hear proclaimed. The version from Luke and from Matthew has the more extended form of when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the desert, when it talks about the three temptations. But the reason why Mark's gospel is especially important for us is because Mark connects the temptation of Jesus in the desert to Jesus's baptism. When the beginning of this gospel talks about Jesus, the Spirit, drove Jesus out into the desert. It's a transition from when Jesus was baptized. Immediately proceeding this in the Gospel of Mark is when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. It's also why after we have that short version of Jesus being tempted in the desert that we then hear a mentioning again of St. John the Baptist because St. John the Baptist baptizing Jesus. So there's that connection that's happening there. And what Mark is trying to help us to understand is that Jesus was especially tempted in two ways in the Markan account. And those temptations are against Jesus's identity and his mission. When Jesus was baptized, just like when all of us were baptized, we receive our identity, our identity as God's beloved ones. That's why we hear in the baptism account, 
This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. God the Father blesses Jesus, blesses God the Son. And when we are baptized, we too receive that blessing in our identity as God's beloved ones. That first portion of the baptism focused on our identity. Then the second portion of what we receive in baptism is in our mission. So when Jesus was baptized, he was blessed by God the Father to fulfill the mission that he had been entrusted with. Jesus, as we know, is the Messiah. He was the one who came to set us free from the ways that we could not save ourselves. And that is his mission. In his baptism, Jesus was blessed in that mission. It's why immediately after Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, he went out into the desert, immediately experienced those temptations, and then went into the public phase of his ministry because he was going to fulfill the mission that God had given to him. We also, like Jesus, can experience temptations in our identity and in our mission. That's where Satan likes to hit us because that's exactly what he did to Jesus and what he does to each and every single one of us as well. Satan wants to introduce lies that we start to doubt that we are God's beloved ones. Literally, sometimes the Holy Spirit will just invite me to bless someone by saying, you are a beloved daughter of God, you're a beloved son of God. Just those simple words and someone will break down. And I can tell that they've been hit in their identity and that they've been believing lies about who they are. And they need that way to be fortified, to be restored, that grace of their baptismal identity as God's beloved ones to be built back up within them in that moment. Because Satan wants to tear that identity down and believe, make us believe the lie that we are not God's beloved ones. The second way, again, that we can be tempted primarily is in our mission. When we were baptized, we received a special mission. All of us have a special reason why we are here in this life. It's to serve God and to serve others, but we're given a particular way to accomplish that mission. And so Satan also wants to introduce lies that will discourage us from that mission. So those temptations come not only against our identity, but also come against that mission, that special purpose for why we're here as well. And the reason why Satan does this is because when he rebelled, this is exactly what happened to Satan. We can forget that the original name for Satan, for the devil, for the evil one, was Lucifer. He was the light bearer. Lucifer's identity, his purpose, was to bear the light of God. But instead, when he chose to rebel and to reject God, he became the prince of darkness. He became the opposite of who God created him to be. And so every temptation that we face is meant to do the same to us, to turn us into the opposite of who God created us to be as well. Satan wants us to have that opposite identity. 
And rather than accomplishing God's mission that he entrusted to our particular care, he wants us instead to do the opposite of that mission. That's where the attacks of the enemy primarily focused against our identity and against our mission. Now, why does God permit the enemy to tempt us? Sometimes we can think to ourselves, why is God punishing me when we experience different temptations? The irony is that Satan continues to serve God even in the midst of his rebellion. God uses the temptations of the enemy for his own purpose and to help us grow. I want to repeat that. The reason why God permits us to be tempted is not to punish us, but to help us to grow. Now, when you're in the midst of the temptation, it's hard to remember that. For myself, even though I breach this, when I'm in the midst of a bit bad temptation, it's hard. It's hard to remember that. But the reason why God permits these temptations is because of how he wants to bring about an even greater blessing. And each of the temptations that we can experience can actually strengthen us in our identity and can actually strengthen us in our mission. We all know that we can grow from the adversity, from the trials, from the difficulties that we face. Those difficulties could break us, but they also can make us even stronger than we were before. That's what God's desire and hope is every time he permits a temptation, is that we will grow from that experience and we will actually become more who God called us to be and become even better equipped than we were before to accomplish that special mission and purpose that God has given us in our lives. That's why God permits the temptations. But what that means for us is we have to have a mindset change. I remember that when difficult things used to happen, I could come into a thought pattern of thinking, what did I do wrong? Why am I being punished? Or it would shift over time, and then I would shift into thinking, okay, there's going to be some good thing that's going to come out of this difficulty. I just got to kind of grin and bear it, be stoic through that particular thing and just endure it. But the current mindset that God has given me is I thank God and bless God when I experience the trials. I will oftentimes, when difficult stuff happens before retreat, I'll say, okay, God, it's going to be a great retreat. <laughs> or when difficult things happening with the start of the Lenten season, it's going to be a great Lent. Why? Because I'm trying to focus on the blessing that I know God wants to bring about. And I'm trying not to focus on the ways that the enemy and the temptations are trying to discourage me and tear me down. I try to look for the blessing rather than looking for the difficulty instead. But it takes a mindset change because we can almost be programmed to kind of lock in on that difficulty and the hardship rather than being able to see and experience fully the blessing that God wants to offer in that moment. 
So just having that mindset set change of looking for that blessing, it's amazing how it starts to help us to worry less, to feel less weighed down and burdened, and to feel more hopeful, and to be able to see the blessings that God wants to bring in a quicker way than we were able to previously. I literally got a reminder of this yesterday. I was scheduled in the morning to do baptisms. And I could not get into the sacristy yesterday morning to get the items that I needed for the baptism. And I'm literally going, what am I going to have to do? Am I going to have to break down this door uh, to get into the sacristy? And I was starting to worry. And I was being tempted in my Lenten promise because just like I'm preaching on giving up worry for Lent, I've been trying to give up worries, and I felt those worries coming back and all the different thoughts of, oh my gosh, we have to do this, have to do this, etc. But then, thankfully, my guardian angel reminded me of my Lenten resolution to give up worry, and so I stopped, I paused, and I prayed. And I said, God, I know you want me to do this baptism. You're permitting this temptation for some reason. What are we going to do about this? And then the thought entered in, ask one of the people who's here for the baptism. They'll get you into the sacristy. And I said, okay. So I went and asked one of the folks who were there. Actually, several of them came. And this particular gentleman was an expert at getting into locked spaces. <laughs> he had a little knife, and he got into it in less than a minute. <laughs> I didn't ask him what his profession was, but... <laughs> But he got me into that sacristy, just like God told me that I would get into that sacristy. But it didn't happen until I gave up that worry to God, until I took a moment to pause and to stop reacting to the difficulty that I was facing, and instead prayed and asked for God's help. Because part of today's gospel that's easy for us to miss, we lock into the temptation we sometimes miss these words. He was among wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. He was among the wild beasts, and the angels ministered to him. When we experience those temptations and trials, God doesn't just leave us out to dry. He wants to help us with that. He wants to send his ministering angels to us. I believe that when I paused and prayed, that voice I heard was my guardian angel speaking to me and giving me that guidance that I needed in that particular moment. God was ministering in that way. The gentleman that I asked for help from, he was that instrument that God chose in that moment. Of course, God could have miraculously opened those sacristy doors if he'd wanted to, right? But he chose to use that instrument. Why? Because of the way that he wanted to bring a bigger blessing out of that experience. There was a blessing for me because then I had this story to be able to tell you all during my homily, right? <laughs> and also, of course, of how it was an opportunity for me to grow in my Lenten resolution. So there was a blessing for me in that. But there was also a blessing for that gentleman who helped me because that gentleman was someone who wasn't very close to God. And by me asking him for help in that moment, 
it strengthened his relationship with God. And what is my most important mission as a priest? It's to bring people to God, and it's to help them to form a relationship with God. Through me not being able to get into those sacristy doors, my mission was accomplished. Someone was led back into relationship with God, not just the children that I baptized, but that gentleman who had already experienced baptism as well, had an activation of his baptism in that moment. But it wouldn't have happened with those doors not being locked. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't taken that moment to pause, to pray, and to ask God for that help and to give those worries and anxieties over to God in that moment. And God brought about that greater blessing. So again, when we face those temptations and those trials, those are moments that God wants to bless us. God permits the temptation, but God's not tempting us in that moment. What God's wanting to do is to prepare our hearts for an even greater blessing than we would have experienced without that temptation, to help us grow even more deeply in our baptismal identity as God's beloved ones, and to be able to accomplish that mission and purpose that God has placed us in this life to accomplish. So let us give up our worries to God, and when we're next tempted, let's look for that mindset change, for that blessing when we choose to pause and pray.